Welcome to the new Dalcrozy in the world's first podcast discussing the work of Emile Jacques Dalcroze as practiced in the 21st century. I'm Anthony Molinero. And I'm Lauren Hudson. On today's episode, we've got a wonderful interview with Elda Nelly Trevino Flores. You've got to check it out. Please feel free to write us at thenewdalcrozian at gmail.com or like us on Facebook at the New Dalcrozian. And if you could please rate us on your podcast app, five stars. Hey, Lauren. Anthony, hi. How are you? <laughs> oh, man, it's been so long. You know, I think we just have to admit to ourselves that the summer is too busy for a Dalcrozian to uh, record podcast episodes. Uh, maybe someday we'll uh, get episodes out during the summer. But for now, we're back for our fall season. That's right. I have to agree. As, as, uh, as much as we would hope that we would continue making episodes through the summer. It's just, it's a busy time. You're right. Hey, let's do a, let's do but. a quick rewind of the summer and let's just do a rundown okay. of all the amazing Dalcrozian things that happened this summer for us. Um, so let's start with, uh, the big one for you, I guess, would be your trip to Dallas for the, uh, uh, school of the Rockies. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that was definitely the longest one, the most intense one. So uh, the Dalcroze School of the Rockies has its, um, its summer academy that happens in July. And uh, I went to, I teach during the certificate weeks, but I this year I happened to go for the licensed pre-diploma week that oh, wow. takes place right before. And it was fantastic to be able to, you know, we don't, after, so after getting my license, I didn't necessarily like go back and really practice and review all of those like tricky things that you need to do to finish the license. And it was great to be able to come back to those and practice those alongside um, other amazing students who were working toward their license. Yeah, I hear you. I'm, I'm cool. actually doing my license preparation, uh, you know, and I've been yeah, doing you know some how of it those. Goes. I've yeah. been practicing by myself. People, you know, walk into my classroom like, what are you doing? And I'm doing all <laughs> sorts of odd stepping and clapping permutations. And uh, people are, sure. people are uh, 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 puzzled by, by the <laughs> activities. But it, for, at some point, you just have to practice that stuff, right? At some point, it's just right. you have to practice doing it. And it's uh, just like anything else. Yeah. Well, and in a way, you know, it's kind of like riding a bike for me, like coming back to it. But at the same time, it's also if you don't keep it up and you don't practice it, it does go away a little bit. So it's important to, you know, to yeah, always sure. continue growing, Anthony. <laughs> That's me. <laughs> hey, and I heard that. Uh, and then you went to Alaska. That was over the summer. Yeah, right? that was that was my first trip. So um, I used to do a ton of these and I don't do quite as many anymore. If anyone wants to hire me over the summer, hire me. Um, I, this was a, a Suzuki um, Institute. So they're there for a week and I see them every day for an hour. And um, yeah, so that one was in uh, Fairbanks, Alaska. Oh so, my, yeah. that's a great trip. Yeah. So, you know, I, uh, I did uh, a couple of weeks teaching at the, uh, interlock in, uh, center in for Michigan. the arts in that's Michigan. Right. Yeah. Well, boy, was that, that was a great experience. Oh man. It was so fun. First of all, the kids, the students, the campers, they <laughs> were so brilliant. They were out of control. Uh, it, it, they just took everything that I threw at them and they, you know, they just embraced it. They were so vibrant and energetic and talented. It was such an honor to work with that population. And really, you know, I learned a lot 
um, working with them that I was able to experiment and expand on and deal with, a, you know, a certain type of musician that, you know, I don't get to work with that often. So that sure. was just really exciting for me. I really, really was honored to be able to be a part of that. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a lovely experience and, and, uh, I wrote about it on my Substack. So anyone wants to go over there to musicxt.substack.com and they can, uh, I wrote a, a pretty extensively with all kinds of interesting, uh, uh, demonstrations of the activities I was doing with those students. But that was a, uh, that was a real honor. Well, and I seem to remember you telling me you were, um, you were not only excited to be going to teach these students, but I remember you saying you were excited to have some Delcro's pals, like some Delcro's teacher pals, you know, yeah. right? So how was that? How was yeah, that? Delcro's friends. Oh man, yeah. it was never, it was, it was, uh, uh, everything that I thought it would be. So I remember, you know, after teaching, being able to go to dinner together and talk about what we taught mm. with people who understood what I was talking about. And, uh, you know, to have a faculty, really, we had four of us there who were um, Dow Crows teachers and to be able to collaborate and help each other and listen to each other and share. It was, it was an experience I've never had. Um, I've never been on a faculty with any other Dalcos people. I've always been the mm. only one. So for me, it mm -hmm. was really, uh, really affirming and another experience of learning, especially, I mean, to be able to hang out with Greg Risto, who was there, um, and have his, you know, sage wisdom, um, which, uh, you know, that was just a, a fantastic, uh, experience. So I was really thankful. Yeah. I think that type of, um, that collaboration at the end of the day too, and that reflection, like we all benefit so much from reflection, but we can sometimes have a long day of teaching and just kind of like block it all out and move on from it. But actually we grow more as teachers when we can take a moment and talk to someone or write down our reflection on how it went so that we can immediately make those mm -hmm. changes or keep what we did for the future, you know, all of those yeah. things. And it's helpful to have yeah. Have someone to talk to. Yeah, it was really, it was really special. And then also in the summer as well, the Carnegie Mellon Training Center went, um, it happened and which was, it hadn't happened at all for, for three years now. So it was, mm. um, it was just very, very special to be able to go back. And I didn't attend the whole training center because I had some other commitments, but I, um, I did attend a few days of the workshop and went to the very famous, uh, Stephen Neely Dalcros picnic. I um, which, see. Lori, yes. you need to come into town <laughs> for the Dalcros picnic sometime. You know, I should, except it yeah. happens at the same time as, as the DSRs it does. program. Typically or it else, does. Yeah. Yeah. I should come visit sometime, though. You know, Cleveland is not that far from Pittsburgh. Yeah. You it know really what we should it. imagine? We should imagine like a faculty exchange program or something. Oh, there you go. Where like the faculty from the training centers can like just switch for a week or a few days at a time or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that be magic? I would love that, you know, to be able to just sort of... Potentially. I'm, I'm laughing at um, some of my <laughs> colleagues who work so hard to learn about someone else's program in order to teach for their program. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because, of course, while, while each of these training Training centers have um, many things that are similar in what they are teaching their students in order to pursue the certificate and license and all that. But there's a lot of 
things specific to each program that I know when you are a faculty yeah, member right. and you go teach at someone's program, there's a lot to learn. Lot yeah, to yeah, out. of course. But. And you wouldn't want to step on anybody's toes, but, but the <laughs> NL training centers are unique and special in their own way. And I encourage, um, you know, our listeners to investigate those training centers and figure out which one might be right for them. And, um, you know, for whatever number of reasons, but, um, you know, that is, uh, that is something that makes, I think our practice so special is that mm-hmm. each teacher really, and certainly each training center, you know, has their own personality and their own approach to things, which is, I think, uh, I think one of the things that I'm attracted to is that, that independent spirit of it. So I think it, it's, yeah, but that would make uh, my, my dream of a uh, intermingling of the training centers uh, a little bit complicated, huh? Yeah, potentially. potentially. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and speaking of uh, training centers, let, let's talk for a minute about the IJD, the Institute Jacques Dalcroze. They just did something really exciting. Want to tell me about it? Yeah. So first of all, I wanted to mention that I got an email today about the International Congress that's happening next summer in Geneva, Switzerland, and it takes place every four years. And so um, I am planning to go as far as, um, you know, the world lets me. <laughs> it, it is my it is my intention to go. I'm hoping hey, that's to go. in 2023, 2023. Yeah, okay, that's great. right. Summer 2023. Um, also in this email from the IJD, they included a link to a new international website, which is in English. And the website is dowcrows.com. And it's an excellent informational website on um, the method and or those seeking training. Um, it's a great resource to refer people to. So I'm excited that it is uh, that it's live. Dalcrows.com. That's, that's got a ring to it. I tell you what, that's yeah, good marketing you know. right there. You want to have that. <laughs> that's right. Dalcrows.com. So lots of great information there. That's great. So uh, and speaking of conferences, we've got our... American National Conference, the DSA, Dalcro Society of American National Conference. It's happening in January. Yeah, that's January 13th through 15th, 2023. So that's MLK weekend. And it's happening at, uh, in my neck of the woods, at Baldwin Wallace University Conservatory of Music. And uh, registration will be up pretty soon. So yeah, I've got some deja sure vu. To, uh, I've got some deja vu talking about this, Lauren. It, now, hmm, why why could that be? <laughs> so maybe we should give people the back. I don't know if we ever talked about it on the podcast, did we? So that uh, that we ended up um, because of COVID um, complications uh, in 2022, uh, we had postponed the conference to 2023. So uh, so right. this is the the same conference that we talked about back then. So if you want to go back and listen to some of those episodes that were in uh, uh, late in 2021 and uh, early in 2022, we were talking a lot about uh, the upcoming conference and and how wonderful an experience it is. And and if you're a Dalcro's practitioner or just Dalcro's curious or Dalcro's adjacent, you know, we really encourage you to come to this conference. There's something here for you and you should come check it out at Baldwin Wallace. For more information, go to the Dalcro Society of America website at dalcrosusa.org.
Lauren, I'm really excited to talk to you about um, this event that you're doing in conjunction with the virtual Dalcros meetup on Saturday. Uh, folks, mm-hmm. if they're uh, wanting to attend a Dalcros event from the comfort of home, then uh, <laughs> this is something that is for you. Uh, it's a virtual event. Um, That's right. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about uh, what your thoughts are. What are you going to, I'm really excited to hear about your, your topic. Well, thanks. I was excited to have this opportunity to present this masterclass for the VDM community. And um, it's called Teacher Talk, a Dalcro's Pedagogy Session. And it's going to happen September 17th at 9 p.m. Eastern Time, which you might think, okay, that's pretty late. You're right. It is pretty late. I will be ready for my bedtime <laughs> right after that. Um, but this is to allow the, the, the virtual Dalcro's community is quite international. So it allows for those that are um, in different time zones to attend mm-hmm. without it being in the middle of the night. So, um, yeah. So the thing that I'm most excited about uh, for this session is to start a conversation about language mm. and I, you know, I don't want to say like, I, of course, I don't know all things about this topic, but it's been kind of the center of my things I've been pondering about recently. Mm-hmm. And I've been trying to find things more to read about different perspectives about language. And um, I've noticed also in my own teaching within the past three years or so, some growth in myself in the mm-hmm. use of language in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So, um So not only talking about directions, how we give directions, you know, I know, Anthony, for you, I'm sure you've heard your own um, mentors talk to you about how you give directions really matters, right? But but also um, how we give feedback in order to shape what's happening Mm -hmm. in a a way. Yeah, yeah. there's a lot of choices that you can make. And, um, you know, one of the things I like to do is tinker around with wording and what if I say tall instead of high? Or what if I stay, mm. say short instead of small? Or, you know, just tinkering around with adjectives to find the one that gets at what you're, what you're trying to see from the students. And then after, you know, after the, and the, the amount of repetition that I get to do in my teaching, which is really a luxury, I teach it is, every yeah. lesson yeah. so many times, you know, yeah. um, sometimes up to 12 times that, mm-hmm. um, you know, I can really get very intentional about changing, you know, a verb tense or trying to figure out a better adjective to describe that sensation. And, um, and, and I really enjoy that as well. And some people might find that sort of repetition maddening, but I really relish it. I really like the opportunity to really try to get it just right. And it's Mm. a, it's a real luxury for me. So from, from the terms of giving directions or, um, you know, or, or anything like that, I, I enjoy that. I notice I get a better result if I say, you know, this verb instead of that verb. And I, I get closer to what I want if I put the, if I trim out, I don't need that part sometimes. That, that That's actually a yeah. big part of it, right? Is like, you know, <laughs> sometimes you just don't need to say as much as you're saying. Absolutely. And ultimately, as we Dalcrosians know, the music needs to speak louder than anything else. So part of it is how can I let the music be the teacher even more than me blabbing on about what it is that we're doing, mm-hmm. right? Because if you set it up in the right way, 
your music can be that powerful thing. If you scaffold your instructions to say, you know, rather than, okay, first you're going to go for a walk around the room. And then when you hear this sound, then you're going to clap twice. And then you're going to find a friend. Like that's overwhelming, even for a grown up. Right. And so, so yeah, right. But it's a, it's a common thing, especially for people new in the, in the practice, Mm -hmm. because there's so much that you can do in a single activity that it's tempting to give it all away at once rather than like how many, how few words can you use to introduce the activity and then scaffold in Mm. as you go. But also how can you, as the activity goes along, how can you balance the joy of the activity, but also kind of demand that concentration and focus and, and balance like the joy with the complexity, Mm -hmm. you know, how, how do you, how do you manage that? Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Cause so. you, you don't want to choke the life out of it by too many directions and too much and too much, you know, you want the, to give some freedom, right. And, and sure. for exploration. And so, you know, over managing the activities, you know, one of the things I always say, it's like one of my favorite things to say, and I, I think I've said on the podcast, but who am I to tell them what, what to do, right? Like I, let, <laughs> let them explore and give them a little bit of freedom to check it out and, and, and see what they find. And I think that's, sure. I think that's really important. And in terms of giving feedback, I really like that because, um, you know, you're seeing in the moment something from the students and, you know, it's, I think it's a temptation to try to correct things in a way instead of, you know, shape or guide or just and yeah. focus on the, the yeah. process or, of or it. Or even yeah. take yeah. what they're doing There's and learn from it and see what what they brought to it. Maybe it's different. Be open to sure. what they're doing and, and allow that to be the jumping off point for your next sort of uh, part of it. But the language of that's really interesting to me, Lauren, and I'm excited that I'm excited to hear yeah. your take on it in the in the uh, in the uh, VDM masterclass. Well, thank you. I'm, I'm excited as I'm preparing for it. And I'll, I'll say um, one little takeaway from this that participants will get is I'm putting together a list of, um, of feedback sentence mm. frames, right? So like just have you thought about, have you considered, I noticed mm-hmm. all of these frames that can get you started in, in giving feedback in a way that it doesn't feel... Um, doesn't feel like like a correction, right? Like I was know. saying, like it's not yeah, a correction. Yeah, it feels like you know, perhaps you should add. I was wondering, mm-hmm. have you thought about? Oh, like, it all makes these it feel like a collaboration more. Like yes, exactly. you're just offering. In that yeah, you're just offering of a suggestion of something that they might not have thought right. of. And uh, so anyway, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to be great. If you are listening to this and it's prior to September 17th, 2022, um, you can register at virtualdalcros.org. And um, I hope to see you there. And I even think if it's after that, they can actually go on and they can purchase it after the fact as well. Oh, yeah, that's maybe the case. So. so even if it's after, maybe go to so. virtualdowcrows.org and uh, purchase uh, Lauren's Masterclass. You will not be disappointed. I vouch for it personally. You guys will love it. <laughs> I certainly hope not. <laughs> we'll hope for the best. And if uh, anybody's in Eastern PA, um, Eastern Pennsylvania, uh, I'll be out there on October 10th for the uh, for the 
District 7 PMEA Professional Development Day. Um, I'll be presenting a workshop on uh, using the Dalcro's method in public schools, um, which is uh, sort of my area of expertise. So I'm glad to uh, have the opportunity to talk to a bunch of public school teachers out there and show them kind of how the Dalcro's method works um, in that setting and, and how they might be inspired to use some of those principles in their own teaching. So um, if you're out there uh, in District 7, uh, make your way over to my uh, portion of the workshop. Hey, Lauren, have we heard from any uh, listeners these days? Well, it just so happens. We want to give a shout out to Kenny Jones. Kenny Jones is one of the first people that I met in Colorado when I went to study um, over the summer for the first time. And he sent me, <laughs> gotta love musician friends, he sent me some, uh, some analysis of some different songs and the modulations in the songs. So it was cool. Thanks. Thanks, Kenny. Um, and, uh, he said, also, I love the Dalkers podcast. I love your voice, miss you and music with you. So miss you oh, too, right. Kenny. And thanks. Thanks for, uh, thanks for shout out, to Kenny. shout out to Kenny. I'll, I'll give a shout out to, to uh, Lisa Sempsey, who's a music education faculty at uh, Elizabethtown college. She has got her students, um, directed to listen to the podcast as part of their, uh, program there. So, oh, wow. um, uh, that, yeah, that's, uh, that's great. Uh, so thanks Lisa for, uh, sending, uh, uh, some listeners our way, and we're glad to provide some uh, Dalcro's content uh, for uh, all for the cause. So, Lauren, we had the opportunity to have a great conversation with Elda Nelly Trevino Flores, uh, who curated and edited the most recent uh, edition of Dalcro's Connections magazine. Um, and this is, these were the Latin American issues. We had two issues that were uh, both uh, you know, were released in English and Spanish, um, you know, exploring right. various articles and practitioners throughout Latin America. Uh, and this was all great new information for me that I was not aware of. So I, I was really, really grateful um, to have that episode or have this issue uh, to learn all that, as well as have this great conversation with Eldenelli. Yeah, I agree. It was great to talk to her and to hear from our colleagues in that area of the world in Latin America and um, to hear about the diversity of practice around the world. So it was it was wonderful to have those contributions. Yeah, sure. So Elden Nelly Trevino is a professor uh, in Mexico uh, and director of the independent studio Musica Viva. Um, and she's a fantastic and well-regarded uh, Dalcrosian. And uh, here's the conversation with Elden Nelly. 
Aldenelli Trevino Flores. Welcome. Hey, thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you. We're, we're ha so happy to have you on. So, Elda, I, I don't know you particularly well, but um, I was uh, one of the things we usually start out these interviews with is we'll ask people sort of how they came into the Dalcros practice. Like, what? How did you find out about it? Where did you start practicing Dalcros Eurythmics? Can you give us a little bit of your story? Oh, uh, well, yes, actually, it was uh, kind of uh, not so um, common approach to Dalcros because I. I got my bachelor's and master's of music in at UT Austin. Oh. And I was taking a pedagogy class with uh, Dr. Amanda Biklefko. Uh, I don't know you have heard from her. She's one of the original authors of the um, Alfred Piano Method. Oh, really? Yeah. And she was uh, one of the leading piano pedagogues in the 80s, in the 90s when I, when, uh, when I studied. Yeah. So I was in her class and then... Um, she assigned the group uh, a small research project, and I was assigned to do some research about Emil Jacques Cross. Oh. And of course, I didn't have any idea about who he was. So I went to the library. At the time, there was no internet, nothing. So I went to the library, and uh, I found very little uh, things, actually, uh, about Dalcross. Sure. Uh, but but the, I, I don't even remember the book that I found. I, I think it, it, should, it must have been uh, Marie-Laure Bachmann's uh, yes. book. Yes, Dalcros Today. Yep. Dalcros Today. Yeah, so, so I was reading it, and what caught my attention uh, pretty much was the, the fact that it incorporated movement to the teaching. And I always liked dancing. At the time, I belonged mm. to, the, uh, to the ballroom dance club at UT. Mm. Uh, so... I did my my assignment and everything, and then I started um, researching a little bit more uh, as I could on the library, and I ran into the name of Marta Sanchez, mm. uh, was one of my main teachers, uh, and I ran to the uh, Carnegie Mellon uh, program that that she uh, directed, and then I wrote a letter to her just to to want, want to be in touch with her, and then sure. she replied to me, and and that was it. <laughs> and then I, I and then I remember the name. And then I came back to Mexico uh, after I finished my my master's degree. And uh, at the time, my grandmother, my mom's mother, was the owner of the largest music store in the northeast of Mexico. Wow! Mm. And she developed uh, to uh, organize some uh, workshops for teachers. And then she tells me one day. Oh, you know, uh, I invited my friend Marta Sanchez to give a, a piano workshop on the Bastian piano method. I'm like, oh. Ma Marta Sanchez, I mean, is that the same Marta Sanchez yeah. that is? <laughs> I said, oh, yeah, she's I think she lives in this. Oh, my God. Oh, that was her. <laughs> I asked my grandmother to give me uh, Marta's phone number. So I called Marta and I introduced myself and everything. And, and then I begged her, literally begged could you please do a demonstration of Dalcross Rhythmics when you come to the, this piano workshop? Yeah. And well, she kindly accepted. And then uh, after the piano thing was done, she uh, took us, every one of us uh, to the stage and the, did the demonstration and everything. And it was just fascinating. Yeah. And mm -hmm. I... I didn't leave Marta alone for the rest of her. <laughs> I was like, glued to her all the, you know, the entire day. And, uh, and after that, she invited me to attend the Carnegie Mellon Summer Workshop the following year. Sure. And that was in 1997. So that's how my story wow. uh, began. 
Yeah, and then she was uh, a, a very dear teacher to me, and mm -hmm. I, I learned a lot from her, and she supported me very much through the Dalco Society of America, and so on, and that, that's uh, how I started. Oh, and wow. I and I and I thought that time that's for me. That's what I want to do <laughs> besides piano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I and I I come from I suppose I I never met Marta Sanchez, but I come from her, her uh, teaching tree apparently as well because I studied Carnegie Mellon. Uh, you know, that's where I've done my oh. training as well, and uh, my teachers were pretty much all Marta Sanchez students as well. So, uh, oh great! I great. share that with you. Uh, I share that with you as well. So, um, yeah, obviously a legend, and that's so funny that that you were such a fan of Marta Sanchez. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I was going to say too, yeah. I, I think what's so um, uh, interesting about everyone's story is when they, you know, n not just you, but others, when they find it and they say, this is for me, right? It's like, you have this of, yes, this moment. Yes, this is for me. Yeah, exactly. And that, that's exactly what, uh, what happened to me. And I knew that's what I wanted. And I wanted to learn more to experience that because I didn't have any idea of mm. what it was until I, I went that summer on 1997. And that year was a, a landmark in uh, the way I thought and I pursued music and music um, education uh, in, on later on in my, in my mm -hmm. life. Right. A turning yeah. point. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. That's incredible. What a good story. Yeah, it is amazing. Yeah. So, so one of the reasons we wanted to uh, have you on, Eldenelli, other than just being interested in you and your in your teaching, is um, you just uh, uh, were the guest editor on two editions of Dalcro's Connections, the magazine, and they were both outstanding. And uh, and so what I was really struck by was just the how much I didn't know about the history of Dalco's education in Latin America. And, uh, you know, what was it like to put those, those, uh, those uh, issues together? And what, what was the process like? And, and, and did you learn some things? Oh, uh, well, uh, thank you very much for your interest on, on these two issues. Uh, they were a, a big challenge for me. Actually, uh, I was very happy and um, thankful to the publications committee of the DSA when uh, Michael Joviala and Bill Bauer suggested that we could do something, you know, to uh, to reach out to Latin America. Mm -hmm. and, and we said, well, why don't we do uh, uh, a special edition of uh, uh, articles from Latin American Dalcross practitioners? And I said, well, yes. And, and I will call my colleagues and my former students and friends and so on. So I started uh, searching for people, thinking first about who, uh, were, uh, who are the leaders in different countries in Dalcross, mm. in, the, in the promotion of Dalcross Rhythmics in Latin America. Mm. And I just called them and I wrote to them. And to my surprise, uh, the people that I reached out were very enthusiastic and eager to write and to share about their experiences. And um, what was very interesting for me, too, is to find common um, uh, events mm -hmm. among, those, uh, among those practitioners, mm. uh, yeah. uh, particularly in South America, uh, with uh, an important workshop that took place in Chile. In the early in the early seventies, mm. 
-hmm. because uh, starting with Iramar Rodriguez, uh, for example, right. and other people from uh, Costa Rica, uh, and Isabel Vargas, mm -hmm. and other uh, important pedagogues in Latin America, mm -hmm. uh, they met or they uh, they attended that same music education training organized by, by the um, World Organization of uh, American States. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a very important coincidence and uh, an important event that um, uh, shed light and through the uh, uh, that, um, music education practice through Latin America, not only Dalcos, but uh, that's interesting. So yes. it's like a one event, like an like that it, it it resonated out from there. One of my uh, dear teachers uh, at Carnegie Mellon is Sylvia Contreras, um, and she's Chilean, uh, and uh, yeah, and she uh, exactly. yeah. I wonder I wonder if I spoke to her about that if she would if she would uh, take uh, take her history back to that point as well. Hmm. Yes, but actually, she was one of the teachers at that important uh course oh, in, in the yes yes uh the the last year or the last two years that that course took place she was one of the uh solfege teachers there great so so you can trace the history that's great <laughs> of, of that for different people yes yeah i just want to give mm -hmm. a shout out to sylvia Contreras. i wonder if she will hear this but she uh She's like the best piano improvisation teacher I've ever had. She is unbelievable. I, I, everything I can do in piano improvisation is because of Silvio Contreras. I promise you. Like she is. Oh yeah, she's she's wonderful. We uh we earned the license together. Oh, We're did in you? The same. Yes, yes. I am a good friend of hers, and uh, she came to Mexico about oof, eight years ago or so. Uh, to one of the um, music education conferences that I organized to the University of Nuevo León. And uh, yes, she's an incredible teacher and she manages and she deals with the harmony in a very oh, innovative way. She's oh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, and fun and funny, yeah. I just, as we're talking about her, I, I had over here, I have this keychain. She gave me this keychain. I'm going to show it to you here. It's, it says Chile oh. on it. She gave me oh, this keychain that's, that's got a bunch cute. of little doodads on it. And she gave no. that to me. I don't know. I just have it randomly sitting here. It's a coincidence. I didn't mean to. Yeah, that's <laughs> and it's interesting because, you know, Marta Sanchez was from Chile. Yeah. Mm, she was, yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah. a lineage. Uh, South America, uh, Chile, and Argentina yeah. were, uh, are very important countries in the development of music education uh, mm. in Latin America. See, and uh, there's, uh, here in Mexico, there was, well, there is... Um, a pioneer in Dow Cross Eurythmics. Uh, her name is uh, Maria Luisa Cortinas mm -hmm. del Riego. She's um, uh, one of the uh, pillars of that, of uh, music education in, in the country. Mm -hmm. And she started for the first time to introduce uh, Dow Cross Eurythmics in the 60s in Mexico oh, wow. City. Wow. Yes. That's and early. that's, uh, and after uh, she did that, she was a student of Robert Abram Abramson in mm -hmm. New York. Sure. And uh, but then it, it stopped. See, I mean, the the the, the Christian movement stopped in 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 Mexico until uh, I came back with uh, with the training in Carnegie Mellon, and then uh, Manuel Sasueta, Cristina Gomez, followed yeah. years later. Yeah. Uh, so we have a, a small web, but I think it's, it's an important web uh, to develop the, the promotion of of uh, Dalcos rhythmics. And then um, 
I, I happened to, to coordinate the, the first Latin American uh, certification program in the city of Morelia, Michoacán, which is in central Mexico. Mm. And in that program, uh, some uh, teachers came from Central America, Costa Rica, and also from South America, Colombia. Mm -hmm. And uh, there are two, two teachers, uh, Maristela and Veronica Jimenez, who are from Costa Rica. Yeah. She, they, they came here to Monterrey first uh, to one of the music education uh, conferences that I organized, and they were fascinated with, uh, with Alcross, and then they pursued the certification in Morelia. Mm -hmm. And later on, I mean, they left their country, they left everything they had, and uh, they got the bachelor's and master's in uh, in Dalcross at the institute at the Geneva oh, Institute. Okay. Oh, great! Yes, yes, and now they're Wonderful. back in Costa Rica. They're back ah. in Costa Rica. Yeah, oh. one of them works for the uh, University of Costa Rica. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Veronica, and Maristela works independently and from other uh, governmental um, uh, associations in, in music education. And little by little, <laughs> there have been you know the, the seed that has been planted since years ago has been uh, growing in different in different countries. Ah. And they, they they wrote articles. Veronica wrote an article on the first issue of the Dalcos Connections and, and Maristela in the second one. Mm -hmm. mm. And they both talk about their experiences in, in, in Costa Rica uh, working with the approach. Yeah. Oh, that must be so fulfilling to see them, you know, have this exactly. journey. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And another uh, colleague and former student of that program is Ana Elena Buitron. She's from Mexico, mm -hmm. but now she lives in Chile. In oh, Chile. Wow. <laughs> yes, and, and she wrote a beautiful article also uh, of how to um, use uh, Chilean traditional music hmm. with, uh, with the Dalcross uh, approach. That's in, in the second volume. So, mm. uh, I have collected uh, articles from very different mm -hmm. perspectives and ways of how to apply the Dalcross uh, pedagogy in, yeah. in different contexts. Yeah, yeah, I think about, you know, sometimes one of the critiques of uh, of the method that I hear that I think I think is is not true, it's is that it's you're too European centric, right? Like that the way we teach music is focused on the European tradition too much. And, and I don't think it has to be. And I think about the work that's being done in Latin America. And I wonder if you find that there is, uh, you know, some cultural differences between the approaches that are happening in America and that are happening in Latin America in terms of that sort of the European uh, influence. Uh, what do you exactly mean uh, by European approach in sure. contrast to American, for example? So like what you mentioned, uh, like using the, the music, uh, the Chilean traditional music compared to, uh, you know, a, a European tradition of using classical music or, you know, romantic mm -hmm. uh, WC all the time when, I, I you know, trying to more weave in the, 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 the music of the culture in which it's being taught. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think the main difference, uh, I think, goes beyond that because uh, Latin American people, we have a natural feeling uh, of music full of syncopations. Mm -hmm. Yes, yes. And complex uh, polyrhythms and so yes. on. And that comes naturally, you know. 
And uh, in our cultures, dance, dance plays a very important role in the transmission of uh, cultural traits and traditions right. and so on. And the Latin American folkloric dance also has those uh, musical characteristics of syncopation and strong rhythms and mm. energy and so on. And it's very different, for example, to the European dances like the Alemán, Koran, Saravano, right, yeah. so on. They're more, right. more, more formal, sophisticated, and so on, even though they were not that way at the beginning. But, but right. the, the way they sound is, um, you know, like in a more relaxed fashion, contained, like the emotions are, are pretty much contained. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Whereas in Latin American music, it's the opposite. In like, mm. boom, all the <laughs> energy goes out and expression. Yes, fiery. So, yeah. Or, or anger or sadness. All mm. the emotions are right there. And and that's that's uh, very obvious, evident in the in the music and in the way that we approach music and movement. But on the other hand, comes also um, sort of a, a cultural, let's say, uh, restriction for um, movement imposed by religion. Oh, religious, mm. uh, well, yeah, particularly in, in Catholic or some other Christian. Um, religions or um, yeah beliefs that uh, indirectly is not that they prohibit but it's uh, it's through history uh, it was not well seen or in fact was prohibited to sh to show um, uh, a, a um, strong uh, preference or use of movement mm -hmm. and, and and the body so we yeah. have that unconsciously in the back of yeah. our and 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 yeah. uh, cultural um yeah the, the way we, we approach life and so on and uh that's uh, a dual thing because the folk folkloric music is very expressive and and very very sensual i think yeah. but on the other hand we have this um uh, uh religious tradition that says the contrary Mm. So it's a juxtaposition of both things. Very much. Yeah. I have found in, in the groups that I uh, approached in, in different places of the country that people are shy. On one, are, are shy mm. uh, in, uh, when they show their emotions mm -hmm. through movement and they don't like very much to touch each other. Yes. And yep. Also, the, the barriers between men and women traditionally, mm -hmm. oh, yeah. you know, yep. touch and so on. Uh, but once we start developing the um, a bond, a strong bond in the group, and confidence mm -hmm. and trust, and so on, those those things, those barriers disappear, mm -hmm. and everything becomes uh, freer and and letting go the natural um, uh, way we, we move and feel uh, music. Mm. So it's a very uh, interesting dual process that takes place. And that I think is. that's that's, yeah. the, that's the main the, the main difference that that I have found. Yeah. Wow, that's a that's a great description, and I, it reminds me how much this practice can can break through those cultural barriers of of many different types. You know, I yes, I, I just taught students in Alaska. I was talking about earlier on the podcast in Alaska, and um, in every place that we go, whether it's in one country or in another state or another group of students, there's going to be a different culture within that group, and and how the power of this practice can break through some of those barriers. I think is just really exactly. special. 
Yeah, yeah exactly. And yeah. also, I, I think you, you, you must have found differences, uh, very obvious, like in the way, starting with the way people dress. Mm -hmm. See, for example, sure. here in Mexico, in mostly in uh, Central and South Mexico, is you you will not find men you wearing shorts. Right. Mm -hmm. A man doesn't wear shorts. I mean, <laughs> no, no. I mean, it, it's very certain. I'm a grown up male adult will rarely wear shorts. Interesting. Then, yeah, we come to to the classroom, and then you know, all the men with this. Uh, very job and, and pants and so on and like you know we cannot do anything if you are dressed like that <laughs> and we don't even have shorts in their wardrobe or something. oh wow <laughs> you know that never use them I never thought of using them so it's, it's, that's it's hilarious interesting yeah oh wow yeah, yeah, so, that's really yeah, I, so, I'm really thinking about that I mean it's like the culture of Dow Crow's Eurythmics is really kind of its own culture. And to find it, how it fits in and meshes with, you know, these cultures in which it finds itself, it's really interesting to see how it might offend or push the boundaries of that culture and how we can figure out how to assimilate the culture of our classrooms into the culture in which we find it. Uh, you know, that's, that's really interesting to me and not to mention the musical aspect of it, which is, you know, also like, you know, there's almost like a Dalcrozian sort of musical vocabulary as well that, that we, that, uh, you know, that there's a style of, uh, music that's almost just Dalcrozian and it's, and it's really interesting to find out how that translates into different, different places and, and times and, Wow, you really just sent me on a whole trip here, Ellen. Thank you <laughs> yeah, for that. And it's, it's a big challenge, as you mentioned. Uh, one thing is the music itself, or the music, mm -hmm. the approach to music, and on another, a uh, completely different thing, and uh, and I guess more complex or co complicated or challenging. Sure, it is those cultural uh, issues that uh, the, the practitioner has to be very careful with. Uh, not to uh, break through, not to offend mm -hmm. anyone. So mm -hmm. it's, it's uh, I think we have to be very sensitive to all those uh, things that sometimes we do not clearly see, but we sense mm -hmm. in the way that people act and react and respond to music, and and the way they respond to the um, guidelines that we set in the in the classroom. Mm. The person will you have to move the uh would you please move this way or why don't you experiment with your partner doing so such and such thing, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And sometimes people don't do it. Yeah. 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 No, I mean that, that's that's unthinkable for them. <laughs> and it's not it's not because they don't like it or sure. don't want to do it, it's just sure. completely out of their out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Yeah. And 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 that has happened to me several times and sure. then I really fast i have to find a new way to approach the situation yes and yeah. to start loosening uh loosening up uh <laughs> that uh that feeling with with people and little yeah. by little by the end of the week or the two weeks or whatever uh is is fascinating to see how the group was transformed and mm. managed to break through those barriers mm. Well, that's, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, that, that's such a good reminder, Aldo and Ellie, that we as teachers have to be so 
actively watching and listening as much as our students are to us, right? If we turn that off and we only say, these are my objectives for the day, we're going to get there versus like really watching and responding to their reactions, then we can come together and have a shared culture, right? It's not just you are going to be this, it is exactly. we are going to come together and, and, and take this path together. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, for me, it was a shocking one. Once that I was teaching at, at Morelia, the conservatory, Conservatorio de las Rosas, that, that was the name of the institution. Mm. And one of my students, uh, he was very, he was a guy and he was very uh, serious and very educated and polite and everything. Of course. And then he, he was uh, very stressed out. It was obvious that he was very stressed out with, mm. with the class. And then we asked him, you know, what happened and and he said well things that in in my religion uh syncopation is a sin oh, oh well yeah syncopation i wouldn't do well sin. in that religion i wouldn't do well yeah. i would have some problems <laughs> and and i just i couldn't believe that i just couldn't believe that wow. and, and yeah and i really didn't know what wow. to do yeah, sure. <laughs> and, you know, don't, don't worry about it if, you, know, you don't have to do syncopation if, if you don't feel comfortable with it and i tried to uh, soften that uh, that stress because he was so stressed out. I mean, he, because he believed that uh, that it was a scene that, that wow. he was uh, moving to that. He, he yeah. was moving to that. So it, it was, I guess, one of the most challenging uh, situations <laughs> that I've been in. Sure. I'm not sure how I would handle that one. That's a tough one because, uh, yeah, if uh, if syncopation is off the table. Uh, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I, I would be worried about, I would be worried about a lot of different, uh, problems, but, uh, that, that's, but I love what Lauren's saying there because it is about being flexible and, and, and trying to exactly. come up with a solution and trying to teach the person that's in front of you. Cause they're coming into the room with their own culture, their own background, their own history. They're bringing that. And guess what? So are you. Right. Mm -hmm. And right. that's one of the things yeah. I think about uh, Dalcro's education that is so exciting to me is that the teacher brings the, the, the whole of their self into the room as well. And um, and everybody brings, you know, everything, their body, their culture, their whole musical self comes into the room. And um, interesting to see what that what sort of conflicts that might create. Wow. Yeah, and, and exactly, uh, I, th I think uh, that way too, because um, we become, uh, in, in a Dalcro setting, we, be, we, we become very vulnerable because mm. we show everything we are. Everything yep. we are, yep. this is the way we express ourselves, the way we speak, the, mm -hmm. the way we make sounds, uh, the way we move and the way we interact with others. And we are in a very vulnerable position. And uh, it's... Uh, it's an art. I think it's it's um, an art. We the practitioners um, are invited to develop an artistic way uh, to find solutions to those uh, situations and be creative. Mm -hmm. Be creative in our teaching and uh, opening up new doors and new ways to express uh, right. uh, ourselves. Uh, uh, with any um, different, any kind of situation, no matter how difficult uh, it might seem at the beginning. 
See, because uh, the, everyone comes with uh, very high expectation yep. in, uh, in in the experience, and uh, it, those persons are in our hands because they're they're watching us as if we were, you know, their their leaders or their models right. to follow. Of course, and, and it's a it's a great responsibility. See. Because it, particularly if, if it's the first experience in Dalcross, that the one that they, they're having with us. Yes. Because that will be a, a turning point in their musical and personal lives. Mm-hmm. It make it a positive experience or it will make it a negative one. And, and if we are uh, leading the class, that's, that's the responsibility that, that we have. It's a big responsibility. Yeah. Well, yeah. Aldenelli, this is great. So we, we need to kind of bring this in for a landing here. So the the, the issues of Dalcro's connections, I believe those are available at the dalcrosusa.org website. Those can, they're just free to download, correct? Yes, that, that's wonderful. That's a, a wonderful thing because uh, we published the two issues uh, separately in English and in Spanish. Yes. So people, great. Yes, who do not uh, speak English or fluently or whatever, or prefer to have the Spanish edition, it's there. Oh, right. and, that's awesome. Yes, and also the the English version is is uh, is there, and um, we also fa- uh, had the fortune of um, finding my colleagues found very interesting images, some mm-hmm. historical images images of the first uh, Eurythmics lessons that took place in Argentina, for example, or mm. uh, in, uh, in Guatemala as well. Uh, and I think historically it's, uh, it's very in- important see, to be able to trace how, uh, how the Dalcross practice has been transformed uh, through the years. Mm-hmm. And a common point that I, that I found as well is that uh, for example, in Guatemala uh, was uh, Irene Irene Bros, one of the pioneer of Dalcross rhythmics there. After she died and after she retired, the, the Dalcross practice stopped. Wow. So, so what happened in, in, in several countries in that there's, there was one person right. or two persons, right. but th- that they didn't, for their circumstances, because of the circumstances that they were at that time, they were not able to um, to form a future teachers. Mm-hmm. So they practiced that. I mean, they, they taught in a university setting or conservatory setting, but after they died or after they retired, there was no one else to continue that. Wow. Uh, and, and that's the case in Guatemala, for example. Interesting. See, uh, and the different the difference is uh, in in Argentina. That's the only country in Latin America, right? And Chile, I guess, but mostly Argentina, who has had a continuous mm-hmm. line of adult uh, cross practice through years. Mm-hmm. Uh, that makes a huge difference because it's not the same to have like five years or ten years and then nothing. For 20 years, and then someone else comes. But then, what happens between? You know, in, in the in the meantime. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. So uh, that that's uh, a sad thing that has happened in uh, in different Latin American countries. 
Sure. Including, including Mexico. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we certainly appreciate your work, Eldenelli, and trying to continue on the tradition there and, and uh, carrying on this work and making this document, which I think is going to be super uh, informative to people. I learned so much from your writing and from the collection of writings that you put together. And I learned so much just talking to you right now. It was a true privilege. And I thank you so much for being here. Oh, thank you. It was it was uh, wonderful to share some ideas with you and, and, and Lauren. And well, I hope our listeners uh, enjoy this this talk. They oh, uh, they certainly will. Thanks for listening. The New Dalcrosian is a production of Hellero Creation. Email us at thenewdalcrosian at gmail.com. Rate and review on your podcast app. Follow us on Facebook. 